Today's reading is from the book of Exodus, chapter 40, verses 1 through 8, and verses 33 through 35. We'll be reading from the New International Translation. Then the Lord said to Moses, Set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, on the first day of the first month. Place the Ark of the Covenant law in it, and the shield of the Ark with the curtain. Place in, or Bring in the table and set out what belongs on it. Then bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. Place the gold altar of incense in front of the Ark of the Covenant law, and put the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. Place the altar of burnt offering in front of the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar, and put water in it. Set up the courtyard around it, and put the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. Then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and altar, and put up the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. And so Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Thank you, Chris, for bringing God's word to us this morning um, out of the book of Exodus. Um, As we come to this final message in our series, Wilderness, I invite you to pray with me. We believe God's word, it comes alive through the Holy Spirit, not just through what we do. So I invite you to pray as we begin. Lord, you are still at work. You told Moses to do something and you tell us to do something. And so we come to this word this morning, recognizing that your spirit is active and alive and that you have for us a word that is important. So may your spirit take word, spoken word, taken into heart, and do what you intend to do for your church in this day. We trust you in this, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, we live in a community that sees a lot of building things, right? I mean, like a really crazy real estate market. I don't know if any of you have been in the process recently of either buying a home or listing a home or anything like that, but you know the importance in all of that of the setting, the place where you're going to put down your roots. It's important. And if you're, talk to any realtor, it's probably the most famous quoted um, thing that realtors always say. What is it? It's all about Location, location, location. That is all that it's about as you think about it. It's where your home is situated. It's the view that you might be able to see. It's the amenities around you, the school district you're a part of, the neighborhood feel of where you're settling down. And all of you at one time or another went through that process, whether you found a place to rent or purchase or whatever, you looked at location. You know, our, our neighbors recently sold their home, the people right across the street, and they decided in order to make this best impression for a quick sale, right, what did they do? They hired a staging company, right? That's what people do nowadays. A staging company, they bring in furniture, they bring in decorations, and they set up the home so it looks beautiful and fresh and inviting. However... I don't know if you've been to any open houses lately. There's something about a staged house, and it does look neat and tidy and maybe up to date, but not really 
lived in. It doesn't really look like a home. It's just furniture that's been placed there. Great furnitures, furnishings, perfect look, but nobody's home. Nobody's home. And today's text, as we talk about all the ways it's described, as Chris read this for us, we find a project that was in the right location with beautiful furnishings, and yet the most vital part of this structure wasn't the way it looked from the outside, but who was living there, who dwelt in that place. So we've been in this sermon series of wilderness where God shapes his people, exploring it since September. And in the time, I've invited you to kind of recognize the characters, the situations that tell us something about our journey with God. God's shaping a people in Israel. God's shaping a people here as well. And Israel's wilderness adventures were part of that shaping that the Spirit was doing. They were moving from, remember, the uncertainty and the fear and the oppression of Egypt into this confidence that God was ever-present with them, that God was going to go before them. And so today we come to this reminder in our passage of Exodus that God is still at work. Yes, he worked through the deliverance, he worked through provisions, he worked through covenant law, even meeting the people in their time of rebellion. And now we come back again to this truth, this thing that we've already sung about this morning, that God is always with us. God is present. So today's text is at the last book in the book of Exodus, Um, but it's really just a beginning for what God's people are going to do as they move forward in what he's called them to do. And as we get to this chapter, we're at still at the mount near the Mount Sinai and Israel's been there for about 9 months. It's been over a year since they left Egypt and Moses has received these covenant laws, the 10 commandments and others. Remember he had to write them or God had to write them a second time on the tablets. And now God in this Time up on the mountain, he's given Moses instructions for what to build. And the purpose of the construction is very clear. God, God wants to locate himself right in the middle of his people. That's what tabernacle is. And when we read about this, some in in Exodus 40 and beyond, it's the preparing, it's the constructing, it's the setting up of this tabernacle where God is going to make himself real to people. You know, if you were to do a study of the whole book of Exodus, you'd find that all of Exodus 25 through 30 and then again 35 through 40, like 15 chapters, talk about this tabernacle in detail. This is how Moses, uh, God had told it to Moses early on. He said this, have them, have the people... Make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. God had a plan. He had a pattern, and he was making it clear to Moses. Like any building project, there are explicit specifications. You know, in our own church, we're in the process of Well, it seems like we've been going a long time in this process, right? A renovation in our lower level. And if the renovation team people were here, they would say, yes, 
There are a lot of specifications for each detail. It takes a long time. But here's the thing with that we're waiting on some with our project that Israel didn't need to wait on. They didn't have to have permits. God declared it. They didn't have to have inspections on the way. God had a plan that was perfect. Each part of the tabernacle, every detail is going to reveal the way God wants his people to connect with him. So if you do have Bibles with you, either in print or digitally, I invite you to turn to Exodus 40, that last chapter, as we talk about the culmination of this building project. The word tabernacle, it's not a word we usually use for places of worship these days. I was thinking about this when I was preparing this week, that the Covenant Church in Seattle was first known as the Swedish Tabernacle. A tabernacle. It was built way back in the early 1900s. And it was called tabernacle because it was a place where God's people, and at that time they were mostly Swedish people, would connect with God. Tabernacle. The architecture, if you've ever been in that structure, is beautiful because it wraps around. You see the community and the word and the cross are central. So whether it's called tabernacle, church, or whatever, tabernacle has a Rich meaning in the Hebrew. It comes from the root word settle, shahain. It's the root that we, the term we used for dwell or live or abide. And when it's used in the word tabernacle, it's the word mishkan. Mishkan, which is God choosing to settle down in a certain place. He's going to tabernacle with you. It could be like living with you. We might say, oh, you live next to me? Oh, God tabernacles. You tabernacle next to me. Tabernacle is a place where heaven meets earth. A place where the divine becomes up close and clear. And yet, as you see in the description here, and if you were to read all of those chapters, there's a special process for coming before God. It's not just a casual, oh, he lives next door. No, God comes to dwell and he says, this is the way you come close to me. So if you look at verses 1 through 8, God is reminding Moses, here's the culmination. I want you to set it up and I want you to do this and this and this and this. And then he says, verses 9 through 16, I want you to anoint all of those parts. I want you to put oil on them as a symbol that they're set apart for something good and holy. In verses 17 and 23, it goes back. It repeats it again, sevenfold repeating. And so Moses does this and this and this and this. You know, when we see these kind of repetitions in the biblical text, it highlights the importance. These were the specific instructions God had given. And so Moses sets it up just as the Lord had commanded him. That phrase is repeated 19 times in these passages, in these chapters. Just as the Lord had commanded him. It wasn't a haphazard, I think I'll, I'll create this for this tent, this tabernacle. No, it was obedience that was seen. And we remember that after the golden calf rebellion, That this was a symbol that Moses was doing on behalf of the people to say, we will obey God. We will do it in the ways that he said to do it. 
And the setup, it was rich and it was lavish and it was meticulously organized because it was the place where God was saying, I'm going to come near to you and I want you to come near to me. So if we take a look at what the tabernacle might have looked like, here's some artist drawing of it. It was the whole courtyard with this tent around it, which, by the way, was beautifully constructed, 75 feet wide and 150 feet long. A a big structure, and, of course, portable, so that Israel could pick it up and take it with them wherever they went. And this outer courtyard with with the... curtains to get into it was kind of like a frame a picture frame for the beautiful picture of God's glory that was going to be found inside that one tent that tabernacle so I want to just do a short review of the furnishings Um, we're going to look at the staging of this house okay so to speak and each one was created to reflect some greater glory of God So I'm going to start at the east side. And and by the way, that was very particular. The way it was structured to to, um, the east side was the entrance. Let's start at the east side. So people would come in through that gate and they'd find this altar of burnt offering made out of bronze. It was outside the tent, the main tent, but this was the place where people would bring their animal sacrifices in recognition of their sin that God needed to cleanse them. And then the next thing that they come to was this bronze laver or a basin of water. You saw it described in this passage. Fill it with water, he said, because this is the place where the priests need to wash off the dirt of contamination. Need to get rid of what is holding them back before they could enter into that tent or tabernacle. And then we go inside. Not everybody goes inside. The priests go inside on the behalf of the people. And there you see a table of showbread or bread that was part of the grain offering that the people brought. And it was offered there to God in worship. It was set there on the table. And then on the Sabbath day, the priests actually got to eat it. That was the way God provided for his servants in the church. On the other side was a golden lampstand. These were lavishly put together furnishings, by the way overlaid with gold and this was shaped like an almond tree with seven bowls for burning incense and it was lit every morning and kept lit all the time the light was never to go out the priests had to trim the lamps to make sure that light was lit and then right in front of another curtain was the golden altar of incense It was set close to this curtain because it was a place of separation from the outer court, which was called the holy place, and the part behind that other curtain, which was the most holy place. And this incense burned, the priests would burn as if prayers and sweet smells would come before God before him as, as the prayers of the people. You can see that line right there in the middle of it because that was a curtain. An elaborately put together curtain that separated, as I said, the holy place from the most holy. Because holiness is not casually encountered. We don't just run into a holy place. It solved the problem, this curtain solved the problem of a holy God who was living among sinful people. And in the way this was set up, it was only once a year 
that the priest would go through that curtain into this most beautiful furnishing called the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testimony with this covering there called the mercy seat. This beautifully ornate ark was located in the most holy place as a symbol of the throne of God, where God dwelt. Inside of it were kept the testimony, the words of God that Moses had put down on the tablets, the covenant with God that they had sealed, and it was there in the Ark of the Covenant. Now, more than just furnishings. And I hope that as you listen to this and notice just a brief review of all of these furnishings, you started to think about some connections here, right? In that time, God made a way for people to come close to him on his terms. And in our day, God has made a way for people to come close to him on Jesus' terms. If you look back, and maybe we can go back there, if I can go back, each one of those furnishings, each aspect of the tabernacle points to Jesus Christ, who is our way to God. Think of it, the offering, the sacrifice on the cross, washing that takes away any contamination from our sin, the incense burning as prayers Jesus interceding for us. The lamp or the light. Jesus, the light of the world that never goes out. The bread that nourishes our bodies. The bread that we say, this is my body which is broken for you. The ark of the covenant. The word of Jesus. John says in his gospel, Jesus is the word. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And this is the place where mercy meets us behind the curtain. In fact, in Jesus, the only furnishing that's no longer needed in our way to God is the curtain. You know the story, I'm sure. When Christ died, the curtain that was in the temple at that time was ripped apart from the top to the bottom because now there was access into the holy place. And this is a lasting picture for us. We have been granted that kind of access through Jesus. These are set-apart furnishings, set-apart structures, set-apart acts that all intimately invite people to say, to come close to God. And so verse 33, as Chris had read it for us too, it says, Then Moses finished the work. He did all that God had commanded to him. Moses finished the work of putting all that together, of staging it, and now, verse 34, we've been waiting for this. They've been working for this. They have set this up. They've seen it in process. And now, the scripture says something unbelievable happened. Verse 34, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The cloud. We know about the cloud, right? The cloud that helped them get away from the Egyptians across the Red Sea. The cloud that showed up on top of Mount Sinai in fierce thunder and lightning. The cloud that had settled on Moses' tent when Moses went to talk to God. And now, 
in this tabernacle, which was set up right in the middle of the camp. A cloud isn't just far off. It's just not foreboding, like I can't come close. This cloud comes down and fills up that tabernacle. I can't imagine what it looked like. Was it smoke? Was it like a mist? Was it like a cloud machine like we see? I don't know. But there was something visible that the people could see. It filled up that tabernacle with the glory of God. Settling right there in the middle of the camp. Right there where people could see it. Right next to their own tents across that courtyard. Now we have to remember that there's a really significant connection between that phrase as the Lord had commanded, and the glory of the Lord showing up. It isn't that Moses and the people had earned the right, or that their obedience had had earned it, but their obedience made the way. It welcomed God's presence. And the same is true for us. God doesn't love us more because we're more obedient. The way to Jesus, of course, is through his sacrifice. But if we obey more, is God loving us more? No. But we can know for sure that when we walk in the light of God's truth, when we do as God has commanded, the way is more, there's more blessing. There's more presence. There's more awareness of God filling up the space. You know, without the glory of God's presence in that space, it would have just been a fancy tent with lavish gold furnishings. A staged structure, but no one living there. You know, the same could be said about the church of God today. About this church, this building, our structure. Without the glorious presence of God that comes not just into a building, but as we're going to see, into us. This this place is just another structure on 228th in Sammamish. Nothing more. But when God's glory, when God shows up and fills a place, that's when heaven meets earth in tangible ways. So what does it look like now for heaven to meet earth? Sometimes we think of the glory of God in terms of experiences we've had, and that's rightly so. Maybe you've been out in nature sometime, and you've seen this glorious sunset, and you have a sense of God's majesty and glory, his presence coming even closer. Maybe on a mountaintop you've looked at that, and you've just been awestruck, aware that God is, is involved in the world. Maybe it's by looking at other human beings. Often think when you first see a child that's just been born, the wonder, the closeness of God. Maybe it's even a moving worship service when we sing together and and we hear God's word spoken and we feel this warmth in us that God is especially present. His glory is seen. All of those are true. But the truth is the most visible expression of heaven meeting earth, of God's glory coming down, is in us. It's in the church. The church of Jesus Christ is God's glory made visible. You and I, those of us who are seated here in the sanctuary, those of us who are connecting online, it's not simply the campus here. It's not simply the spaces that remind us. It's who we are. It's centering ourselves on Jesus. 
Yes, here we center ourselves on the cross. We remind ourselves in this space that God is central. But it happens in us, friends. It happens through Holy Spirit-filled people. That's the sanctuary right now. Ordinary rhythms lived out in your and my ordinary lives. Those are the avenues where heaven invades earth. Examples can be given right and left. I think of just last night as Pastor Mark talked about when we welcomed um, our neighbors into the Harvest Fest, the Fall Festival, and we were able to put together things that would benefit um, people in our community who have less. God's glory made visible. I think of the grief share group where people sit next to others and hold their pain and point to Jesus. God's glory made visible and heaven meets earth. I think of children who come into this space and are welcomed just as they are. God's glory filling this place. I think of you, where you live, your neighbors, the way you interact with them and speak to them and love them. God's glory invading earth. This is an amazing privilege, but it's also a sobering calling. When we think of the privilege that God himself, the same glory of God that filled that tabernacle, now says, I want to live in you. And in you, and in you, this is God's glory. This is heaven come down so that people would know, as we sang about this morning, that God is good, that we can come before his throne, that he is holy. In Ephesians, it says it this way. Paul describes this in a way that is meaningful. He says, Ephesians 2, 21 through 22, In him, in Jesus Christ, the whole building, that's you and I, is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you, and that's a plural you, that means all of us who call on Jesus, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You and I, we are the tabernacle. We are where God settles in to make himself known. We are his glory on earth. So what does tabernacle look like today? What does this mean for us? If we're the tabernacle, what's it look like? It looks like us living our lives, our everyday lives, in the way God told us to. Remember, Moses set it up and did exactly what God said. And if you were to read farther in the Pentateuch, you will see at times where the people decided, no, I want to worship God and do things my way. It didn't go so well. God invites us to come close to him according to what he's provided. And we can't just casually come and say, I'm going to do it this way. We come to worship God in spirit and in truth so that his glory would fill us. His glory that looks like you and I. Whatever you're going to this afternoon, you're a tabernacle. Wherever you show up tomorrow morning, at work or school, play, at home, you are the tabernacle. Wherever God places you in your neighborhood, you are the tabernacle. 
wherever God places you in, a, in his kingdom, in your family, you are tabernacle. Where God says, I want to dwell close to people. And I want people to know me so well that they can have access as well. Now, this message doesn't have a simple three-step application. Go and do these three things to put into practice this week. In some ways, it's even more significant than that. Because I would love you to know that this church and the, the people of God who are filled with the glory of God through his spirit, that you go out into this world as an example of heaven on earth. That the weight, the honor, the glory of God is seen really in people like me and people like you. Yes. Hallelujah. Through the Holy Spirit. We are God's tabernacle and he's designed us to dwell in this place in Sammamish. He's designed us to bring his beauty and holiness here where we live and across the world. This doesn't wait for a new pastor to come. This doesn't wait for a renovation to be done. This is today and now. We are now God's tabernacle. Our destiny is right in front of us. Sanctuary, tabernacle, God with us, and he's promised us something along the way. We're at the end of this series, and each week our our children have led us in the remember verse. I wonder if we remember it. <laughs> Last week we tried it without the slide and we didn't do so well. So I'm going to try it one more time with us as we close this sermon to remember that the promise that was for Israel is for us today as well. So I'll give you a phrase and you repeat it back. Let's together remember what God is about. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 3. The Lord himself will go ahead of you. The Lord himself will go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never leave you. He'll never desert you. He'll never desert you. So don't be afraid. Don't lose hope. Let's hold to that promise. Because that's where the glory of God shows up in Tabernacle. First showed up there in the Sinai Desert. Later in the Old Testament period in the temple. And then through Jesus Christ and now through us, his church. God dwells in us, not just as fancy furnishings, but as Holy Spirit infused people who show his glory wherever we go. Let's pray for that now as we close. Lord, the gift of your tabernacling with us is is awesome. That the God who created the world would come and choose to live next to us and now in this age to live within us. We're in awe, Lord. It's what our hearts long for, that your glory would dwell within us so that others would see that you're good, that you're holy, that you're approachable. May we be those tabernacles of your glory this week. Only through the presence of your spirit can we dare to ask for that. And we do so in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.